Welcome to the latest Experts in the Field podcast from Foot Anstead's Farms, Estates and Rural Land Team. With guest speakers and in-house experts, we'll provide insights into rural developments and current affairs. Welcome to another edition of our podcast series from Farms, Estates and Rural Land Team at Foot Anstead. This week, I'm pleased to say we're joined by my colleagues, Tim Williamson and Pamela Jane Riley. Tim is a criminal and regulatory lawyer who defends businesses and individuals under investigation by the police and regulatory bodies. Tim has a lot of experience working with clients to assess their regulatory risk and reviewing practices to minimise the risk of issues ever arising. Pamela Jane is a senior associate for Enable Law, which is part of the Foot Anstey Group, which deals with medical negligence, serious injury and mental capacity matters. According to Health and Safety Executive, agriculture has a really poor record in terms of accidents and fatal injuries on the farm. Of all the industries, it regularly comes out as being one of the most dangerous. And over the last 10 years, almost one person a week has been killed as a direct result of agricultural work. Due to serious incidents which can happen, the tragic consequences of those, it's really important that farming families and farming businesses do address these risks and I look forward to the discussion today. Tim and Pamela Jane, thanks very much for your time and welcome. First off, perhaps kick off a question to Pamela. What type of cases have you dealt with involving accidents on farms? Um, dealt with plenty being in our Plymouth office. Injuries can take many guises and the accidents can take many guises. The most common I'd say that we see are involving machinery in particularly uh, tractor controlled hydraulics. These can cause devastatingly severe accidents as I'm sure you can imagine. Two claims that do stand out for me both involve tractor operated hydraulics. One was a degloving of a worker's leg from the groin down when the tractor driver turned an engine on with a potato harvester and it was an automatic turn on and the worker hadn't cleared the area. The second was a worker climbing into a grain wagon when the back door was dropped and she was crushed and the issue was completely out of sight of the driver and he wasn't aware she was there. These two accidents are entirely unrelated in the fact they were in completely different counties, but they do share one common denominator and that was that they were both Polish workers. And we saw particularly pre-Brexit, but even now, that many Eastern European workers do enter the UK agricultural employment through mass agency recruitment. And they either have very little knowledge of the English language or even actually what they are doing. And this does lead them to being quite vulnerable because there's sometimes a communication breakdown as what they've been told that they need to do and what they actually end up doing. But it isn't just Eastern European workers that are victims. Anyone can be at risk on a farm. I'm sure we all read in the news about workers that have, after a long day, just hopped over the back of a tow bar or draw bar and have been dragged into the back of a machine because they've had loose clothing on. And obviously this can lead to amputations and quite often death. Some other more unusual claims, we've seen a a TB tester being crushed against his own car due to a labourer losing control of a quad bike, a vet suffering a significant brain injury as a result of a faulty cattle crush collapsing on him, and a very unusual claim of a worker developing Q fever, which is a bacterial infection that can be caught from infected farm animals, and whilst usually harmless, in this particular case it caused serious heart problems for the infected worker. But it's not that all accidents occur on the farm or the land. We also see injuries involving tractors on a highway, in particular drills that are overhanging 
the white lines. These agricultural and arable tractors can be so large that they can take up huge parts of the road. And one case that I had involvement in was a motorcyclist coming around a blind bend to be confronted with a large tractor with a maze drill attached. As a result of the road positioning of the driver, the drill was impeding on the opposite side of the carriageway. The motorcyclist was unable to take evading action. He hit the drill and sliced his arm clean off. So it is about thinking not just on the land, but actually how you present on the highways as well. Absolutely, yeah, I mean, there's all absolutely horrific, horrific stories. Um, Tim, obviously you covered it from, uh, Pam was obviously looking at the civil claims of compensation. You obviously covered it from a, a, a different, different take, but what are the employers or landowners' responsibilities in these instances where these tragic accidents happen? Hi, Edward, thank you very much indeed for having me on this week as with Pamela. I've been involved in cases up and down the country over many years now and sadly on many of those occasions we've seen very serious accidents and I recognise some of the descriptions that, that Pamela has given. See falls from height from buildings where they've not been protected adequately. Collisions in the yard where machinery has collided with pedestrians who have perhaps not been trained properly on the machinery and what steps to take in the yard as well and out in the fields as well as accidents involving the machinery and equipment indoors and uh, again I recognise some of the examples that, that Pamela gives I have seen that but a point I suppose I want to make from my perspective and from where I come at it from as a health and safety lawyer is that the health and safety framework is framed around risk and offences under the health and safety legislation are committed where there has been an exposure to risk, an unacceptable, unsafe exposure to risk. So there doesn't have to be an accident for the health and safety executive to get involved for an offence to be committed. And an example of that, thinking relatively recently in the southwest, is where complaints were made about an operation that may have resulted in exposure to asbestos and there was no accident per se, there was no injury per se, but as a result of concerns that had been raised to the health and safety executive there were inspections and it was considered that there had been an exposure to an unacceptable level of risk and that was the basis of the investigation. So it it doesn't have to be a situation where there, there has been an accident. Often sometimes I hear people say, I didn't cause the accident or it was their, the other person's fault that there was an accident. But actually the offence is committed earlier. The accident merely proves the existence of the risk in the first place. So I think we just need to be very careful about that from a health and safety perspective. Yeah. Is there anything, what are the relevant bits of legislation that people should have in mind so the overarching piece of health and safety legislation has been on the statute books for many years now, the Health and Safety Work Act from way back in 1974. And all of the regulations that are imposed really flow from that. So you'll have regulations that deal with the management of health and safety, the control of asbestos, working at height, use of equipment, dangerous substances, explosive atmospheres. That all flows from the Health and Safety at Work Act. And the central premise of the Health and Safety at Work Act is an employer must ensure, so far as reasonably practicable, the health and safety of their employees and people who might be affected by their undertaking. So what does that mean in practice? It means that you as an employer 
need to take all of those steps that are reasonable for your business in order to reduce the risks posed by your operation to a level that is as low as reasonably practicable. So it doesn't mean you have to take absolutely every step that conceivably could be taken by somebody at some point given unlimited funds. But what it does require you to do is to engage with employees, ensure that suitable and sufficient risk assessments are created by suitably competent people, that controls are identified, thought is given to any additional controls that may be put in place to reduce that risk, and that absolutely crucially, and this is a point that I really must make, is that it is the monitoring that is essential of those risk assessments. It's not just sufficient just to have policies, procedures, a risk assessment. The assessment of risk must be a dynamic exercise. So you have to monitor to make sure that the risk assessment is understood by everybody who works at the business, that is fit for purpose, is still relevant, and is the subject of ongoing thought and analysis just to make sure that it's actually working. So you can't just say what... Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry to jump in, Tim. I was just going to ask, what are the, looking at the offences, what are the maximum sort of sentences that people can be find themselves on the hook? The health and safety offences were increased in their severity relatively recently, and within a few years or so. The approach that the courts will take is to consider, on the one hand, the level of culpability of an organisation, and then the level of harm that was caused. And so that will give them a value and then they will adjust that depending on the turnover of the business. But on that last point where we say, well, how important is it to monitor and to be able to evidence that you are monitoring your policies and procedures and your risk assessments? Well, it's crucial because the courts will say that a business that has procedures in place, that has suitable systems in place, but doesn't monitor them, is still a business that it's at the medium level when it comes to culpability. And if your medium level of culpability uh, and an accident has occurred, which was relatively foreseeable and has caused even a, a moderate level of harm, even a business that's a micro business, so where the turnover is less than £2 million per annum, you'd still be looking at a fine of tens of thousands of pounds. And that's where you've got systems in place in the first place. That's not even where you're actually demonstrating that you do try and do the right thing. You are applying your mind to reducing workplace risk. So even then, if you don't monitor it, if you're not checking to make sure that actually it's fit for purpose and it's well understood, if you're not assessing risk dynamically and something happens, yeah. you could still be looking at tens of thousands of pounds by way of financial penalty. Yeah. My next question, which you've already very much uh, touched upon I think was how can employers ensure employees safety at work and obviously the monitoring is is a very important part of that. Pam is there anything you would add to that the list of sort of things of what employers should do? Yeah I think Tim has covered the the HSC law very well and I think that's what employers really need to concentrate on but I think also it's looking at the culture of the workplace and not having the blame culture or it's sort of a, a jovial attitude to risk. We've all seen people playing on hay bales, for example. That's something that could be really quite dangerous if one was to fall on top of you. So I'd always say build into your culture that you are 
looking behind you when you're using machinery you are making sure that if you're walking past and you see somebody doing something dangerous you call it out it doesn't need to be a sort of a police state in that ascent but it's that we all have to look out for each other and that is the culture that I do think a lot of these places should adopt and be very careful about using things like quad bikes particularly going up and down the steep hills of Devon we you can buy quads with very powerful engines you can also buy them that are basically fun for whizzing around on a, a flat piece of land and quite often if you haven't got enough power for example going up a hill and it's often children that are on them they stall and then topple down on top of the child or the young person that's uh, that's been riding them so it's having thought to those aspects and I'd also say in terms of driving tractors on the road we often see young often lads that have left school 17 first loud out on the roads and they're whizzing around silaging on mobile phones and obviously the mobile phone rules do apply both in tractors and cars but it's just that losing concentration and whilst you might say that will be the person driving that vehicle that has that is going to be on the hook for their insurance but if there is an insurance issue then the employer could be held vicariously liable for the outcome of their own employees so it is something just to think about that not all accidents like I say happen on the farm or the private land they do sometimes spill out onto open highways yeah just moving on a little obviously even with the best processes sometimes tragically accidents can happen so apart from when those accidents do happen apart from the very obvious of seeking immediate emergency assistance what should employers do in terms of what are their next steps to protect their position? From a regulatory perspective, there are specific requirements to report injuries, diseases and dangerous occurrences to the health and safety executive. So I guess the first question for anybody is to think about, do we need to actually make a report? Do we have a legal obligation to to report that? What I would also advise any business to do when when thinking about their operations is to factor into the planning that something could go wrong it's absolutely essential that you have the right culture and I completely agree with Pamela but when we when we are thinking about the operation if something goes wrong you as an employer need to be able to get on the ground quickly to find out exactly what has happened and exactly what perhaps the implications are because one of the implications is that the health and safety executive could turn up or the police could turn up or any other regulatory body could turn up so you need to have as much time as possible as an employer to get somebody on the ground or yourself on the ground to understand exactly what's happened exactly who is turning up because those regulatory bodies have powers and those powers are not only to come onto the property but they are to inspect documents to seize material to ask questions and compel ultimately answers. So you need to have as much time as you possibly can to work out what exactly has happened and then plan the organization's response because you need to know what you've got to what you're going to be asked to respond to. So having your risk assessment and acceptance that something could go wrong so that if it does, who does what and make sure that communication plan is well known throughout the organization. Okay. Paris, anything you wanted to add to that? I think the only comment I would make is that accidents do happen and not to take it personally. That is why you have insurance in terms of any civil claims. And I would absolutely wholeheartedly agree, always cooperate and don't hide things because nothing good ever comes from trying to cover something up. It's always best to be open and honest, both with your insurers and the HSE. 
Okay. Yep. Thank you very much. The reason the reason why it's important as uh, exactly that is is the reason why it's important to get on the ground quickly is not to delimit or prohibit any regulatory body from accessing material that they're entitled to. And it's not being uncooperative. It is merely to give you as much time as possible to understand what exactly has happened and what kind of response are you as an organization going to be asked to provide. Thank you, Tim. Can I perhaps ask what resources would you recommend to farmers? And I know there's a huge amount of information on the, on the internet, but what resources would you direct them to? I would probably direct them direct to the National Farmers Union. They hold a huge number of resources themselves. Their mutual insurer as well, and other like-minded insurers such as Cornish Mutual and the HSC Direct. They've got a lot of very easy to access, written in a very lay format. That would be my first port of call. I agree. I would go to the Health and Safety Executive's website, which for me has always been a, something that people have been able to access and contains useful guides, information sheets that are written in a very user-friendly way. And uh, I would encourage anybody to have a look at their website first. Okay. Pulling, there's a question to both of you, this, pulling everything together that we discussed today. Can I ask Tim, perhaps, what are your top three tips for employers? I would say, remember that health and safety offences are not just about accidents, so it's exposure to a risk. Remember, it's not just about writing a risk assessment, it's about monitoring it to make sure it's still being understood and is, being, and is relevant and fit for purpose going forward. And communication. Remember that if something goes wrong, regulatory bodies will be in attendance, they do have powers, and you should ensure that you are on the ground, ready, capable of understanding what exactly is the scope of their investigation, what material are they after, and why, what questions are they asking, and why, because that then provides you with the maximum opportunity to respond in a full way and as you would wish. So communication of what's happening on the ground is going to be important too. Pam, is there anything you would add to that? No, I think I would ag agree wholeheartedly. The only problem, the pro possible comment I'd make is purely on a practical point of view, is when you are using machinery to always have an idea of what your surroundings are, who is in them, whether there's anyone behind you, and also the type of clothing that you're wearing. Don't wear anything loose around moving parts. Thank you both for your time today. It's been really interesting and a really difficult, challenging topic for everyone. It's really important that everyone working on farms does address and consider all these issues to avoid these tragic accidents happening. Thank you to everyone listening. Please do have a look at our websites, both the Foot Anstey and the Enable Law website for further information and materials. And please do also have a listen to other episodes in our series. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next Foot Anstey Experts in the Field podcast. Join us next time for more insights on important rural and agricultural issues. Find out more about our podcast series at footanstey.com. <laughs>